Welcome wow. to a brand new show. You like the little clap I did? Yeah, I, I didn't know where you were going with that uh, dead silent intro. <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't think of one. Alright, now that we've severely destroyed our listeners' earbuds. Yep. Welcome to a new show. Woohoo! The show is DC Triple D. Or, it's a terrible name, we gotta workshop it. Detective Comics, Decades Deep Dive. It works can out. I, can I admit something really terrible to you? Yeah. I did not know that's what DC stood for. It's, you didn't know it was Detective Comics? No, why would it be detectives? They're superheroes. Because they're all detectives. They became Superboy is not a detective. Anyway. <laughs> If it's not clear, we're going to be covering DC Comics. Um, we're going to be doing it year by year, looking at the ten most important comics, or the mm. ten most important storylines, or uh, crossover events. Okay, right out of the bag. Yes. This is heavily inspired from My Marvelous Year, which is Mar- which is Comic Book Herald's version that they do mm. for Marvel. Um, we're not doing Marvel, because that would literally be stepping on their toes. Yeah. So what's the next best thing? It's DC. Also, in one of their earlier episodes, they mentioned how no one's done this for DC yet, and that inspired me. So, be to the punch, guys. <laughs> also, personally, I kind of wanted to get into comics after reading... Um, Watchmen? Watchmen. But you were kind of already doing a Marvel read-through, so we kind of met in the middle and found... Um, a comic book series we're both new to reading kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah i don't know any really much about dc i'm a pretty big marvel buff but other than superheroes and supervillains i don't really know what's important in dc now you may be wondering you know why why are you creating lists of the most important comic books of the year and to that i answer it's because i'm using research <laughs> okay i'm looking at um what other people are saying I'm reading every I'm reading at least every book's plot synopsis and then when it's not like another terrible sexist Lois Lane story I'm actually <laughs> going in and reading and then picking at what I like and what I think is important and I'm using what the comics are worth today you know clearly a uh, a comic book with the Joker in a very important story or like Brainiac is going to be higher value than Superboy catching a bunch of crooks with a lion that got telepathic powers. Whoa. It's not a real issue. But it could be. I thought it was. I genuinely believed you. So, you know, admitting my, my lack of universe knowledge, but my ability to read context clues and understand when something is like historically important. Mm. Um, you know, that being said, if you disagree with some of my options, let me know. Tell me. Tell me why. <laughs> Help me learn. <laughs> Although I think, for the most part, they're... I don't want to toot my own horn, but they're they're pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can hear in the background, but we are recording this first episode during a torrential downpour. Yeah. We planned it. <laughs> yeah, didn't. sure. Totally. And yeah, so, without further ado, should we jump into our first year yeah what year is that 1956 whoa let's cut to the intro before we get started i want to introduce myself my name is ben um and i'm ashley and we're gonna be tackling this project together yeah okay that's out of the way introductions are done why don't we just jump right in? No more lollygagging. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we kind of just jumped right into the comics one evening, so it would only be appropriate to do so such on the podcast. Batman 97 is going to be our first issue for 1956. You can find all the issues we discussed tonight and next week's issues in the description below to the side or wherever you can find it. Wherever the description <laughs> lies. We threw them all in the, the annotations. <laughs> Rest in peace, YouTube annotations. Mm-hmm. If only. Okay, so we're going to start with Batman 97. This is a pretty important issue because it is the first appearance of the Silver Age Joker. If you do not know, Golden Age DC takes place on Earth number two in the DC multiverse. 
That includes the Golden Age heroes, which means all the heroes from, like, the 30s to the 50s. Like, original Superman, original Batman. Although I don't think Superman has a... We haven't met Superman's Earth 2 part yet, if I'm... So we're on Superman Earth 1 still? So he's still in the Golden Age? No, Silver Age. We, I don't think they ever really... They, they introduced Superman Earth 2, like, later. Mm. Anyway, that's where the original Wonder Woman is. That's where Flash is. That's where Green Arrow is. Green Lantern, Aquaman, Batman, all these superheroes. Um, but in this year, in 1956, we kickstart the golden age or the silver age which takes place on earth one and this gets this takes place pretty hardcore like this kicks off pretty fast um Mm. with batman and then we're past batman's introduction and martian manhunter is already introduced who's kind of a big role um but we are we are starting in 1956 for a very important reason it's because the it is the introduction of a pretty quick-witted character we'll get to that later (laughs) Anyway, so Batman 97, we're going to read the Joker story and the <laughs> Ace the Bat Hound story. Which I thoroughly enjoyed. I was slightly disappointed, though. We'll get to that when we when we talk about mm-hmm. it. But let's start with the Joker story. Writer Bill Finger, pencils are Sheldon Moldoff. Um, we'll just run through the plot really quick right here. Batman is on a public television program, um, kind of gloating, kind of just being... Uh, uh, surrounded in praise when the Joker who is watching the TV decides he probably could get knocked down a peg. He needs a slice of that humble pie. And who better to give, who better to pie someone than a clown? Yeah, the clown. Um, So he's gonna, he's gonna do this. He's gonna best Batman by pretty much hand delivering clues for his crimes and then being like, I bet you can't solve them. Um, These clues include a checkerboard, some candies and cinders and a sock so they're not exactly very obvious yeah and each clue um kind of alludes to where his next uh crime is going to take place so like does anyone want like the crime scenes or or he sends them to batman yeah there's like the for the checkerboard it's him at a at a racetrack um he's gonna rob a train for the candy and cinders and then the sock is a plane hijacking i don't really remember how that one gets connected but batman Batman pulls something. Yeah, Batman is like an honestly 100% he is genius. The world's greatest detective. I don't doubt it for a second. Um, despite all this, Batman is able to solve. Batman and Robin, we should add, is able are uh, able. And Robin was just kind of like, I don't know, Batman. What could this mean? That is true. Yeah, Robin's a bit of an idiot, right? Yeah. He struggles. Yeah, because every single time, it's very much like Professor Layton with Luke, and it's mm. like, like. All right, take your guess, Robin. And Robin's like, I don't know, this is too tough for me. And Batman being like, well, I got this because I'm Batman. After getting all these, he is able to consecutively uh, either stop the Joker outright or just, you know, chase him off without him getting any of the money he was trying to steal. Mm. Until he is eventually caught by Batman as he's trying to... (laughs) He's hijacking a plane... In the most roundabout way possible. I think it's actually really smart. He decides to flag the plane down for an emergency landing as a trick and then just to rob them at gunpoint. <laughs> it's pretty smart. It doesn't work. Batman and Robin show up and kick his butt, sending him back to jail where he listens to the announcers on the prison uh, the prison PA system tell the inmates to head back to their cells. Yeah, it was, um, it wasn't very good, this issue of Batman. I just... This story. So, I know we're very much in a very different kind of Batman than what I'm used to, but, like, he just came off very, like, know-it-all-y, and it was just very, like, the same gimmick over and over yeah, and over it's, again. It's very clear that where we're jumping into right now, DC Comics, or, what is it? That's for another time. DC Comics is for kids. Mm. Outright, for sure. Absolutely. It definitely feels like the Hardy Boys, like, adventure being like, all right, because don't they even add before 
the they tell you like where Joker's next thing is is there's like a line yeah, there's being like, a, like so you, what do you, you can, think yeah. yeah this I don't know if we're gonna get any better well I do because I read you know well ahead so I can keep up with everything mm-hmm. um I just it's very evident that that this is written right now for kids and that Batman is goofy and jovial mm-hmm. and is like here to have a good time. And so is Joker. Like, the enemies are also very, um, not as conspicuous and not as deadly, it seems. They're kind of goofy, and their gimmicks are very goofy. There's no stakes. I mean, okay, he's robbing a train for money. So that's a money stake. He is... What was he doing in the race? (laughs) I think he's there to rob someone as well, or use the... Or cheat to win to get the money? No. Because he's the Joker, he can't win. What, are they going to cut a check to the Joker? I think he's just there to steal prize money. Probably. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. And then the third one, he's hijacking the plane. Like, these are these are dangerous crimes done very safely for everyone. Very goofily, too. Very cartoony yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Um, Yeah, I don't know how much more Silver Age Joker we're going to read. Um... Bronze Age Joker in the 70s and 80s. 70s and 80s are definitely important. Mm. And like 90s to... Like Joker... Once Batman gets dark, Joker gets really good. Yeah. At least from what I know. I only really know, you know, like the killing joke. And I don't even really know all of that. So that's how blind I'm going into some of this stuff. Yeah, we'll definitely have to see how the character kind of develops and changes as we go through time. Where would we put Joker on our tier list right now of Batman villains? We're only doing tier lists for Batman villains because he kind of has, like, the most iconic rogues gallery, I think. Yeah. Other than maybe, like, Spider-Man in the comic book world. Mm. I don't think of anyone else whose villains are quite as iconic as, like, those two. Right. Um, We could also just rank all villains if we wanted to. There'd be so many, though. Yeah, I guess We'll do important villains, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like, like, reoccurring villains. Joker right now for me is like C tier, maybe like, B tier because so, he's like actually capable of causing some serious citywide panic. Maybe I, not really even panic, just citywide annoyance. Yeah, I think I would put him high C tier, honestly, just because most of his threats are very like ah, I want money. Like he's not he's he's still just like a very much a high highwayman at this point to me. Like he doesn't. Seem like he's like out to hurt people or no, kill yeah, them he necessarily. Really wanna, he, yeah, he doesn't want to kill. He anyone. just wants he just, money and like to cause he, mischief. He doesn't even really want the money. He just wants to piss off Batman. <laughs> yeah. Weird. I hope his motives get stronger. I mean, you know how much. Well, I feel of, like we're missing kind of the story. Not like uh, because we or we haven't read the comics, but just because like Joker's character is going to get developed more. Yeah, I know. We're we're still baby boy joker yeah like he still feels like there's no background to him at all he's just kind of a a villain yeah so i'm I'm hoping we'll get a lot more of that i uh i'll keep my eye out i've been reading all the joker stories i don't know how many of them i put into the lists because i don't really remember how many of them were good Mm. but this is his first silver age appearance um we kind of have to bring him back you know We we have to show him off which brings us to the third story. Um, same writer, same uh, person on pencils. This is Batman and Robin up against a gang of highly... Oh, they're not very smart. A gang who uses a highly trained, intelligent jaw- dog to complete petty crimes. But I would like to add, this dog is doing it against his will. Yeah. <laughs> he does not want to be a thief. He is actually, like, isn't he, like, a show dog or something? No, he's, like, yeah. He's a really, really smart, like, championship pedigree dog. dog. Yeah. And, um, Batman and Robin have to pick up their mutt, Ace the Bat-Hound, who is... It's actually their friend's dog. (laughs) They, like, rescued it, I think, in a previous issue that we didn't read. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going through the early 50s, late 40s for Mm -hmm. the Ace the Bat-Hound first appearance. Um, but basically they pick him up, they suss out who the, the dog and the owner is. They find out they're not doing it, I mean, they are doing it intentionally, but not, you know. They're doing it against their will. Yeah, they're being forced into it by this gang. So, 
This actually is, like, greatest detective of all time. Mm. To stop the gang, Batman disguises himself as the owner and paints Ace the Bat Hound, like, completely white. To look to like the, the dog. dog. And I have to say, didn't know Batman? Master of disguise. No, for real. Like, this is crazy. It was just the same person. <laughs> like, it, he he was the same body type. He got the hair down. Like, I, I He got want... the vocal... Because they have a conversation. Like, they have a mm-hmm. full-on conversation. So he must have gotten the vocal core, like, parts right, too. Mm-hmm. He's the world's greatest detective. Absolutely. Is Ace the Bat Hound the world's greatest dog detective? Seeing as they were able to successfully conceal his identity with the mask, I would say yes. This era of Batman is not my favorite. No, but I have to say this issue was a lot more fun. Yeah, this story and I enjoyed was a this. lot of fun. It was. It very much was like old Scooby Doo. It actually spurred us to go watch Scooby Doo again. Yeah, and now we're like on a serious Scooby Doo kick. Yeah, so it's just very much like fun mystery, and I think the dog gives it immediately a not a serious tone. So I'm not expecting something serious, which yeah. makes it better, I guess. Yeah, it's just weird. We're so used to Batman. Like my first Batman. This might date us a little bit. My first Batman movie was like The Dark Knight. My We're young. <laughs> well, my first Batman movie I watched was um, the one with Jim Carrey as the Joker. Riddler. Riddler, sorry. God, when was that? 80s? I think 90s? so. No, definitely No, 90s. 90s. It was 90s because it's Seal. It was Kiss from a Rose. Mm. You watched that on like VHS. VHS, though. yeah. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I watched the 66 Batman, who was a lot like this Batman. Mm-hmm. I and mean, the Adam West, yeah. yeah. Um... And honestly, I didn't really like 66 Batman. Oh, I think he's pretty fun. I just... Okay, he's partially so much fun, and I feel this way about the comics, too, because Robin is a riot. The things that come out of Robin's mouth yeah, are Robin. so funny. Yeah, Robin's Just the, excellent. like, holy fiddlesticks, Batman! It's like, you're 10. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I am hoping to see more of that before we get into, like, deep brooding Robin or deep brooding Nightwing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if how Robin acts in the Teen Titans comics. I don't know how he is in his own series. I think he has one in the 80s maybe as Nightwing. I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure there is a Nightwing series. Like I don't know how any of this pans out. But I, I actually like Robin right now. Yeah. Compared to Batman. I think Batman needs to be darker and Robin needs to keep his, like, weird slapstick humor up. Yeah, I think he he really steals the show from Batman a little bit. He is just such a fun sidekick. Do you think he was noticeable enough in these issues? It felt like... Because in theory, he's fun. He's fun. It felt like he was definitely underused. Mm-hmm. And it it did feel like they kind of undermined him a little bit. Like now, maybe historical context for this. Mm. So at the time, um, there was a paper put out by some some quack. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a quack. Uh, you know, this doctor of psychotherapy type mm. deal. Um, and he basically said, like, oh yes, the youth of today are being perverted by comic books, and Batman and Robin are gay for each other. As opposed to being gay for anyone else. Yep. And they are, uh, they're in love, and that means kids are going to be growing up to be criminals. <laughs> even, <laughs> so, even though in canon, at this point, Robin's like a child. No, he's like 16, I think. Maybe 17. Robin is a child. Yeah, but this was also 1956, dude. A child was like 8. <laughs> Stop. But, like... Yeah, it just felt he just felt very uh, underutilized. He, I feel like he could have yeah. interacted a little bit more. I felt in the the Bat Hound episode, he was used pretty well. Yeah, like, what do you th- what do you think? I thought he was better in the Bat Hound story. Um, yeah, the Joker story. He wasn't doing much. He was kind of just <laughs> rambling in the dark about what the clues could mean. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I'm hoping we'll see more stuff from him. I can understand right now if it's just because, like, they're afraid of the pressure from the government. Because the Comic Code Authority is about to pop up. Right. And they're about to be like, you can't do this. You can't do that. Um, So maybe that's why they're pulling the reins back on Robin. I'm hoping he'll get better, especially in the 60s. Right. We'll just have to see. What do you think... I mean, we've kind of been talking very highly of the Bat 
uh, Hound episode, but I think just in Issue. fairness of story. the other one, story, sorry. Yeah, you're good. Um, in in fairness of the other Batman, like, what are some things that you think this uh, comic could have worked done better? Uh, writing. Honestly, okay, I feel so bad saying this. Bill Finger is a very... I'm not going to comment on his writing. I haven't read enough. But he's a man who did not get the credit he deserved until after his death. He mm. he died very impoverished, from my understanding. Mm. Um, and I'm sure he wrote some great books. I mean, he co-created Batman. And I think... Um, I think Bob Kane is who gets the, like, the whatever. Mm. But, um... In one, like, <laughs> audio recording, he said that Bill Finger did 80% of the creative work on Batman. Wow. For most issues. Or some issues, at least. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to put Mr. Finger down, because he didn't... <laughs> I'm putting the finger down. It was <laughs> terrible writing. It was really horrible writing. Things are very wordy. Things are so, like... Not... The flow is terrible, and mm. what's worst of all, and we'll talk about this more, especially when we talk about the Superboy issue yes, tonight. Yes, I was just thinking that. Conclusions to plots are so... They're not even quick. It's not even like they have to get wrapped up in two to three pages. They have to be wrapped up even sooner than that, because these stories are only, like, nine pages long, as opposed to, like, a Marvel's 18 to 20 whatever in the 60s. I mean, these things have to end almost immediately. Yeah, Usually in, like, short. a pretty wacky, like, you're pulling something out of your butt kind of way, you know? Mm. Like, honestly, in this, that's the one reason I liked the the second story so much is because I thought it was paced well. Yeah, the pacing was really nice in that one. We're going to read. I think the rest of the stories tonight, if I can scan through really quickly, are totally, like, garbage endings in terms of, like how rushed they were yeah only one other book in my opinion has a pretty good ending tonight that we're reading everything else is kind of wild but that's just because you, like you said they they were limited amount of pa- the they amount own, these stories were like nine pages they were cramming like three stories into, into one wow because that was the status quo they used to when they were started doing like one story only multiple chapters they used to like that's the reason they did multiple chapters is they could trick people just browsing that there was more than one story in there uh, Nowadays, you know, comic books are like 12-issue runs to do one story, and then they get canceled. (laughs) I can't stand it. I don't read many modern comics. Not for the reason you might think. You know, a lot of people complain about how liberal Marvel's been leaning recently. I don't care about that. And DC at this point. Yeah, I just think it's stupid. I mean, DC doesn't do this anymore, I don't think, but I think it's stupid how a comic only runs for like 12 issues and then gets canceled. Yeah. Whatever, let's move on to the next book here. Next up, we read Superman 103, Superman vs. Mr. Mixie... Good luck pronouncing his name. Mr. M. Mr. Mixie... Mixilpuk. Now say it backwards. Cliptizigamy? If you were him, you would be gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is not his first appearance. We're just dropping into another issue of Superman where... Uh, he appears because it's our, you know, it's our first time saying hi to the, the man from the fifth dimension. His gimmick is that he's he's not really a terrible bad guy. He's just here to mess with Superman. He's very much like he reminds me very much of like Loki, like not traditional as, Loki, not not MCU. not as evil though. Oh, okay, like yeah, like the traditional trickster. Norse. Yeah, he's very much a trickster, and he's zany. He's like kind of just. Uh, kind of like how Joker was very much ruining people's days. He, uh, you know, kickstarts, uh, kickstarts, uh, oh man, I was gonna do a funny joke about Asgard, but I don't even remember what it is. Ragnarok? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, God of War. Um, anyway. So he's back again to bother Superman. Yeah. Um, he's not being, he's like riding the line real close between being like super harmful and not. He like, Creates a uh, creates a giant dragon image to scare people, but it doesn't really hurt them. And he okay, this one kind of gets crazy. He steals a construction vehicle and just starts destroying Metropolis's streets. Yeah, that one's a little a little crazy. Um, Superman attempts to get him to say his name backwards uh, by like holding up a piece of concrete that he like inscripted. Yeah, because isn't he looking for like 
ancient knowledge or something under the streets, so he's digging it up. So Superman makes it look like it's an old, like, inscribed mm, yeah. like piece of a tablet so that he, he he says his name backwards. He's like, what's that? <laughs> he does not poof, though, which Superman is freaked out about. And we find out is because Mr. M bought some insurance. He has an insurance policy on his gimmick. Which I love. I do love I that as well. Absolutely. I, out of all the villains tonight, he is my absolute favorite. I really, really liked him. All of this is happening while Metropolis is doing the International World Expo. Um, so, you know, all this crazy stuff keeps going on. Mm-hmm. Mr. M breaks a statue of King Arthur. What American city would He's, have a statue yeah. of King Arthur as like a huge resounding central piece i do you think it would definitely have been like george washington or like a soldier monument and i just maybe it would be it would have been a soldier monument poor taste to do that yeah because he steals the weapon like specifically he steals excalibur and uses it to cut the head off yeah where like if that was a soldier because at this point in the united states it would have been what like civil war like there have been a it would, that would have been most of the statues would have been yeah, a so bunch war, of war World monuments. War war. One, yeah, World War Two. We're maybe. being built, maybe, yeah. or we're already built and just yeah. freshly up. Anyway, in probably the biggest brain move of all time, which is our first or another instance of pulling something out of your butt completely, Superman decides the only way he can beat him is by changing the name. From international or from the world's expo, mm-hmm. the international world expo to the international world fair, he gets every vendor, everyone who has a stake in this event on the phone, and he—I guess he is Superman. He no, I think that. he just does it by magic because he like well, tells Lois Lane he's going to do it, and then the sign changes. Oh no, he does it overnight. Yeah, yeah. he does do it overnight. <laughs> by magic, you mean his super strength? <laughs> yeah, by magic of convincing people and then flying over to change the signs yeah dude i drew my car magically today i uh the magic of using the gas pedal yeah (laughs) (laughs) um anyway he like prods mr m into saying his name backwards again because you know whatever insurance policy but because the name of the event changed the insurance policy is no longer valid so he gets poofed back to the fifth dimension and this is where Superman reveals to Lois Lane the um, the big name change, the big why the he gotcha. changed the name. The yeah, the this is the the puzzle answer. I hope he's a super doctor because that ending gave me a super headache. That was dumb. Your joke. Both. Anyway, <laughs> so the big reveal is that the insurance was as long as there was an X at what Mister M was doing. Um, he would not disappear, so... And then once Expo is gone... And changed no by X. fair, then uh, no X, no insurance, bye-bye Mr. M. I really liked this issue. Oh, by the way, writer on this was Alvin Schwartz, penciler was Al Plastino, Al Pacino's... <laughs> uh, long-lost cousin. Yeah, no, Al Plastino. Um, I really liked this issue. Yeah, I did too. I mean... <sighs> Apart from the ending... I thought it was really fun and lighthearted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think him as, again, like I said earlier, him as a villain, Mr. M, was just interesting. He was fun. It reminded me, too, of, like, Looney Tunes and, like, the alien um, bad guy. What's his name? Oh, uh, Marvin Martian. Yeah, Marvin Martian. Like, the same... It was, like, almost same stakes for that. Like, he, again, was causing mischief, but he wasn't being, like, evil. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I really like Mr. M as a villain. Uh, This is not his first appearance. He's been around since, like, the 40s, I think. Um, But he's, like, fun goofball villain. Mm. Why was he so effeminate? Did you get that vibe? That he was really effeminate? Yeah, I did. Well, I think to, to really answer that question, we have to look at, like, cultural norms at the time and really look at, like, kind of what his his design is. Because... If we think about it, he's supposed to be from the future, and he is very... Well, he's from the fifth dimension. I don't know if he's from the future. Well, he's from the fifth dimension, and he's supposed to be, like, alien and zany. Yeah, he is very Jetson-y, isn't he? Yeah, he's very Jetson-y. 
I just think it's interesting. There's a comic book much later that I just read with Mr. Eminent versus Superman, and he, you know, same era, same Silver Age still, but he is totally different looking. Really? Like, very much more masculine in it. Oh. I don't know if it's just this one issue or what, but... I liked his design in this. I thought it was kind of fun because we always see, well, at least I always see... Superman versus these, like, really, uh... Big burly dudes, right? Yeah, big burly dudes are really, like, crazy mad scientists that get buff in the end or something. And never, <laughs> never this tiny, short, tiny fat, man. 50-year-old imp. Bald imp. Alright, moving on. Next up we have Batman 99, writer Bill Finger once again. Pencils, Sheldon, Moldoff. I picked this issue because it is the first appearance of the Silver Age Penguin. We open up this issue with Batman and Robin raiding the Penguin's first hideout. He has two, though, which is so dumb. Why not just have a fake one and a real one? Whatever. He's rich enough he can have two. In his quick escape from the first hideout to the second, he all he can really grab is an assortment of eggs that he decides to base crimes about. Like any great criminal um, who really wants to make it hard for a man they call the world's greatest detective to find him... He sends the eggs to Pat, to Batman and Robin once they're hatched and is like, hey, I'm going to do a crime with these. <laughs> Try and find out what it is, okay? I'm not going to go into every bird they choose. Um, I don't really want to spoil it too much. Also, it's very, like, sing-songy, paint-by-the-numbers, like, one after the other, one after the other. And we already got that in the Joker issue earlier, so if you really want to, you know, if you want to know all the hardcore details, of course, read the issue yourself. Um, eventually, you know, they, they beat him at every crime and are eventually able to track him back down with some sort of weird sonar system. Um, but they don't even have to fight him in the end because his last egg that he unleashes to the horror of Batman and Robin turns out to be a baby alligator who bites the foot of Penguin. And, um subdues him long enough for him to be to be tackled by the dynamic duo. I have to say that baby alligator really cute. It was really cute. The baby alligator was super cute. Um I I liked this issue because I think the penguin is a lot of fun. But it was not particularly great. I think the eggs were fun. Like, I think the eggs were really, really fun. Um, I do think... I agree with you. It was very much paint-by-numbers. Like, this happened, and this... Like, it was very much, like, very predictable, I guess. Um, Uh, yeah, go ahead. If you are a Batman fan, though, definitely read this. Um, It is a really nice introduction to the Penguin. Yeah, it's a super fun way to start. Like, if you don't know anything about the Penguin and don't want to read Golden Age Penguin, because I don't know what the quality of that is, this is a really fun introduction to his character. Yeah, uh, because, again, the eggs thing is pretty fun, and him being like, well, let's base a crime around that. He's goofy. He's also very lighthearted. None of his crimes are very serious. Mm. He's not killing anyone. He's not... Money. It's it's always money. He's He's a big into money. I remember in... <laughs> I just think about, like, the Batman Silver Age villains against what they are today. Mm-hmm. And, like, just thinking about playing Batman Arkham City and the part where you have to, like, walk across Penguin's frozen lake or get murdered by his, like, weird sharks underneath. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Can you imagine Penguin of the 60s doing that? No. No, this is the Penguin getting bit by alligators. That Penguin would just have, like, igloos on the side with, like, little penguins that have little gold jackets on. Yeah. With money. I don't know how, like, popular this Penguin is at this moment. Because obviously we're, like, in post-Burgess Meredith playing him in the 66 series. Mm. And, uh, you know, Batman's a a household name in 20... I'm not going to date us. In the year we're starting this podcast. (laughs) So a lot of his villains are, too. I just don't know if Penguin was that big of a deal in the 40s and 50s. Or if, you know... Are we reading this with Silver Age glasses? Yeah. That was my rose-colored glasses joke. Oh. Um, anyway, the point is, we're going we're gonna to follow Penguin. I know how interesting he gets, at least from a media of television and video games and Danny DeVito. Oh, God, he's so scary. So I'm excited to see him get a little bit darker. This was fun, though. This yeah, was, like, way I, in the middle. Yeah, definitely. Tearless for the Penguin? Right now? Yeah. People are going to get angry. I'm going to put him as B tier. 
above Joker right now. That's hard, man. He's like he's doing more fun stuff, and he's not as dumb in my opinion. Well, he's pretty stupid too. But like right now, this is obviously going to change. There's no way Joker stays C tier forever. But Penguin yeah. right now is B tier to me. I would probably put Penguin also C tier, just because I feel like I'd even put him lower than Joker, just because he's with Joker with the plane situation. He did put people's lives at risk. Mm, true. Yeah, Penguin wasn't really putting a lot of people's lives at risk. No, again, it was just kind of like robbery. He's so rich. Why does he need to keep committing crimes? More money. If we've learned anything from Papa Bezos, it's that more money equals more money. <laughs> more trips to space. All right, next up, the fourth issue of only five we're doing tonight. Tonight's a little... This whole year, 1956, is going to be like a little baby one. The list ramps up pretty quick to like ten a week. Yes. This is Detective Comics 230, writers once again, Bill Finger, Sheldon Moldoff. This is the first appearance of the Mad Hatter, a Batman supervillain. Not the Alice in Wonderland no. uh, friend. So there's a new villain in town, um, and that is the Mad Hatter. He's out for villain. He's out for villain. He's out for Batman's cow, like his actual hood. Yeah, he has this weird habit of collecting hats from very historical or relevant like people. Like cultural people, too. By any means necessary. Yeah, and he also, like, collects, like, ceremonial hats or, like, cultural hats from indigenous groups and stuff. You think he wouldn't need to commit these crimes. He would just need to ask. Yeah, except for, like, for, yeah, like, for his historical stuff. For, well, for, for the cultural things, probably, unless they were, like... A religious thing but then like his like people hats I think the only way you can get those because they're historical figures is like stealing them stealing. I just imagine if he walked up to Batman and was like hey man I'm a hat collector could I like get a spare cow yeah or he could be creative and either buy the hats uh, remade on Etsy Mm, true. Exact replicas. True. No or, one will ever question him about it. If he wants to go the full mile and really commit, kill Batman. Make him himself. Ooh, make. Oh, we went two different places. Yeah. I actually went the place he went because yeah. he studies Batman, <laughs> not Bruce Wayne, by the way. Of course, no one knows Batman is Bruce Wayne. He studies Batman's <laughs> weekly schedule, which I guess is just broadcasted on the Gotham Nightly News about all the events well, he's going to okay. be at. He isn't, like, Batman doing, like, charity events, too? Like, these aren't just, like, crimes. These are, like, events. He's, like, going to interviews and, like... But, like, why on the news? Wouldn't this be more of a newspaper thing? They have a whole segment on the news to talk about Batman, Batman's okay. weekly schedule. If I were living in Gotham, I would want to know, know where Batman is, so I could stay time. away. Yeah, yeah at right. all I wouldn't want to go anywhere near him. He, he's the kind of guy who beats people up for jaywalking. Yeah, and also... Where Batman is, there's probably an issue. True. Like, if anything, maybe the Joker's around, and then, oh, you're gonna have to deal with that bullcrap, and what if you're going to work? You can't deal with that. Yeah, I mean, there's... How many, like, sick days are used Dude, a year? Dude, Batman's of... schedule is literally like the weather for the Gotham people. Wow. It's, it like, right is. after that. Um, despite, you know, us not wanting to go anywhere near him, he goes to, like, some pretty big public events Batman does, so, of course, the Mad Hatter shows up and puts other people in danger to try and get the cow from him. The first time is pretty subtle. They're not really trying to they're not really trying to hurt anyone, but the second time he like tries to drop a statue on on Batman and a bunch of people to kill them. To yeah, take his hat. just to take his cat. It doesn't work. Um my my favorite uh way he tries is when he makes his cow radioactive. Yes. In the 1950s move, the Mad Hatter makes Batman's cow so radioactive that if he doesn't take it off in like 30 seconds, he will die. That's kind of appropriate for the Mad Hatter's name thinking about like the historical context of Mad Hatter. Yeah. Batman takes off his his cow privately and puts on like a tin helmet or something it wasn't steel or maybe it was steel because I, I made yeah, a note I it, it, it definitely wasn't iron because i was i would have been like oh my god it's iron man uh yeah 
Um, so it definitely, I think he looks like a welder's cap, honestly. He really, I I think this is so interesting. This also happens in a Batman issue next year that we won't read, but I think I put onto my extra issues Mm -hmm. list. He like wears another steel helmet that looks just like Iron Man's first costume. Weird. Yeah, this also, this helmet looked a tiny bit like Tony's first armor that he makes. It kind of does, yeah. I don't think that was intentional, though. I mean, Iron Man wouldn't have been invented for another, like, f- almost decade. Well, vice versa, I don't think it's intentional no, yeah, yeah, either yeah. way. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think the creators of Iron Man were reading Mad Hatter stories. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he tricks him, tracks him, and, you know, beats the crap out of him. Uh, luckily for him, the Mad Hatter has already de-radioactivated his cow somehow. And is like safe to put back on. So well, wasn't it never actually radioactive? It was just a way for him to take it. It was like covered in like. No, it was radioactive because they have to put it in like a special depowering chamber so they all don't die of like horrible cancer. Oh wow, that's by any means necessary. Yeah, I know. So so he just gets it back because it's like depowered, whatever. It's yeah, de uh, radioactive. And then Bruce Wayne, the the hard a word that I won't say the jerk like drops his hat in front of the mad hatter as he's being taken to jail so that he can't reach it but he can look at it and you know mm-hmm. of course the book the book the comic the story makes wants you to believe it was the wind but no i really think bruce just walked no over it said that it was bruce did it no so it said it was the wind i think oh i think it's a bunch of crap though it was I think definitely bruce did bruce. it yeah that was a that was an attack all right, our our uh, how do we what do we feel about Mad Hatter? How do we feel about this issue? I thought this issue was probably the best Batman one we read. I disagree, but that or oh of the Batman's, yeah, I disagree. Yeah, definitely. You like the Penguin the best? No, I liked uh, the Hound the best. Oh, of course, the Bat Hound. Um, this guy, I liked the gimmick. He feels like a one-off villain to me. I would never want to read him again because it's very much like a you can't really what is he gonna do just steal the cowl again yeah i'm curious to see because of course you know what mad hatter becomes right no you're like he's like a reoccurring batman villain like a big deal villain really yeah he's in the rogues gallery he's he made it to lego batman so he counts for something he's in that first lego batman game do you get him in the story or as an extra? Yeah, story. He's on one of the teams. He's like one of the levels is devoted to him. We're big Lego Batman fans in this house. Yes. But as a reference, I haven't played in a very long time. Yeah, neither have I. Um, but he's a big deal. Mm. He's like in a lot of the animated shows. I'm really surprised you didn't know he was like a reoccurring thing. Mm-mm. He's coming back. I, I wouldn't have picked unless... Uh, I mean, I don't know if we're going to read him again. I don't know if he has important storylines in the future. I'm sure he does if he's a reoccurring character. But, you know, we'll check in. All right, our final comic book for tonight, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we're reading for next episode. Adventure Comics 229. We're checking in with Superboy. Um, Uh, Adventure Comics, you know, we had a lot of Batman on this list. I think we still have a lot of Batman on this list. Oh, yeah, we do. Um, So I kind of wanted to read a little bit of Superboy. Yeah, it also feels like because we're doing Superman, it's good to know his origin, and that's exactly what Superboy is. So, in this story, which is written by Otto Binder, penciled by John Sakila, Superboy is forced to fake his whole family's death um, after their house is blown up by a asteroid, just a a rogue meteorite. Well, it catches their house on fire. But they're all in the basement, and because some guy saw them all in the basement... Yeah, he, like, saw Clark walk in. So he would have to see Clark... He would just have to assume that if Clark didn't walk out and Superboy did, Clark is Superboy. Why didn't he just say Clark died? Why not save the parents and say that Clark was already dead? Because it's really sus that someone who looks just like Clark is living with that family and is Superboy. But clearly he doesn't look that much like Superboy because no one can figure it out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, like, what what's he going to do all day if he's not super, like, you know? He can just either hide out at his parents' house and make, like, a secret entrance he can just go in and out of or create another version of himself. That'd be far too interesting. 
for uh instead he removes his he, he moves his whole family to Centerville. Um where everyone is super miserable. I actually thought this part was really interesting. They move from like tight knit country town community to like big city and everything immediately goes to crap for them. Yeah. So his dad like tries to set up the same shop he had that he had in Smallville and it's just making zero. Zero bucks. Uh, his mom is horrified that no one will say hello to her. Or talk to her because she's like all my fr- I had all these friends in Smallville and now like no one even wants to like come over for tea or anything and it's very anti uh, city for sure. Also Superboy has to deal with twin next door neighbor girls. Instead Which, of his singular was, girl. If this was not 1956, I think Superboy would be pretty stoked about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to the, until they're, like, following him around yeah, all day. Yeah, they stalk him all day because they're like, huh, he looks a lot like Clark Kent, this, uh, this new kid who moved into town. So we're going to check out who Superboy really is. Superboy is, like, going back and forth. He's literally doing double duty. He's, like, the hero of Centerville and Smallville. Um, But he totally ditches Centerville, which I think is hilarious, when he realizes that the man who saw him go in the house was seeing impaired. Yeah. He has a a eureka moment where he's like, oh, my God, wait a minute. That man wasn't leading his dog. His dog was leading him. (laughs) That line was terrible. So stupid. So stupid. So Superman moves his family back, I guess, again, like, pretending to murder them or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, we were on vacation. We were fine. Let's rebuild the house. The Kents move back in, and Clark Kent can keep his idealized life. Also... Their house is rebuilt by the kindness of Superboy. Yeah, true. Superboy. Because that's not suspect at all. Yeah, I know, right? That Superboy is, like, Which... always helping these people. Yeah. This issue was awesome. I really liked it. Oh, I hated it. It was so incredibly stupid and vapid. Um, even down to its theme that I wanted to talk to you about. So, I, reading this book, I came away with it thinking, like, okay, this artist is clearly, or these, this writer and artist are cr- clearly trying to suggest that, like, that small city America, rural America, great, big city America, terrible. Mm. But, he, li- he literally works and lives in Metropolis, which is, like, the city in the DC universe. I think it's not a, like pooping on the city i think if anything it's like look at these people experience uh cultural shock and not be able to fit mm, in true and how people are meant to stay in their communities and kind of more of that aspect at least that's what i took away from it i'm just i think my biggest issue with superboy is that we are we are hardcore and idealized 1950s white america yeah, that's my issue with it, is that Superboy comes off real, and uh, this is going to sound goofy, but he comes off really privileged. He all, is. All of his, like, every, like, there's one point, because it, the, the whole issue, like, the whole thing that really upset me, it didn't really upset me, but it was just kind of like an eye-opening moment, is where they're talking about, what are they going to do? And he's like, well, we can just use our vacation money and move our whole lives. Yeah. And then he's like, you know what, with our extra money... Uh, now we can just build we can just buy another house this is the biggest difference between DC and Marvel DC the superheroes are just set and loaded the DC superheroes their issues only come in the form of their occupational hazards Marvel heroes their issues usually come in the form of everyday life yeah he's just not relatable he feels almost like a a male Mary Sue where he's kind of he can't do anything wrong. He can't do anything wrong. He's just like this good boy who is just trying to keep everybody safe and all the girls love him and his parents love him. He's a good son. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable. He's a he's a young boy. Like, you should be, there should be some rebellion there or some, something. <laughs> he should be going heel, dude. He should be, what was that terrible movie that came out? Oh my god, that one was horrible. I Brightburn, don't... right? Something like oh, that. Oh yeah, I think it was like Brightburn. That movie sucked. Um, 
Yeah, I just wanted to check in with Superboy. We're not we didn't come here because this issue was particularly good or important. It just was what Superboy was doing. This was the best issue I could find. Everything else was stupid. Wow. In my opinion. Wow. Okay, sorry if you're like a diehard Superboy not fighting bad guys but solving domestic problems and you know, what's it? I apologize if you're into that. These books are not very good right now. Yeah. They're not very good. Yeah. Um so yeah, unfortunately that ends week one. Or not week one, that ends the first Our part. first pilot episode. We didn't love everything. No, but we do have to remember that DC is around for a very, very long time. Things will get better. Things will change, writers will change, and this is also a culture that is very different from us. So yes. the ideals and values are very unaligned to the way that we feel. Let's just go through what we'll be reading next week. You can pencil it in at home. Um, <laughs> we will be reading Detective Comics issue 233, which is the first appearance of Batwoman, Kathy Kane. Uh, she was introduced uh, partly because everybody was like, man, Robin and Batman really do be having sexual relationships. And DC was like, no, <laughs> don't cancel our comic. Please, Here's a love interest. We're reading Superman 106. We're going to check in with Superman and see him battle Luther. Um, showcase issue four. <laughs> issue four. Showcase issue four, which is going to be the first appearance of the Silver Age Flash. Of uh, Detective Comics 235, which is a retelling of the Batman origin story. And Batman issue 100. The 100th issue of Batman, which I actually don't remember really liking much or remembering anything about it, so I'm curious to see what they do. Yeah. Well, that's it for us today. We hope you enjoyed, and until next time, uh, keep up your DC Decades Deep Dive. Those triple Ds. Triple Ds. Keep Baby. them up.